بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا We are in Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah number 46, and Ayah number 27. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim, Bismillahi Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. وَلَقَدْ أَهْلَكْنَا مَا حَوْلَكُمْ مِنَ الْقُرَى وَصَرَّفْنَا الْآيَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after mentioning the destruction of the people of Ad mentions this to the Prophet that indeed we have destroyed the towns and cities around you around you, around the Quraysh, around Mecca. And you know this, this is part of your knowledge, your history, that there were dwellings and villages and towns that were there before, and nothing of those towns are left except some relics, etc. And you know this. We then alternate and change and vary our signs so that they may return to the truth. So the Tasriful Ayat is a major theme in the Quran, alternating signs, how the sun moves, how the moon moves and how the earth moves, changing seasons of day and night, changing of the human beings through the phases of their lives in the mother's womb here in this world, changing, alternating, change, uh, and the ability to make change and create change is known as the ultimate power for someone who has the ultimate authority. So in the eye, in the tasrif, that in the changing of the winds, sometimes winds blow very forcefully, sometimes they're very gentle, sometimes they come from the north, sometimes from the south, sometimes from the east and the west, and all of that. So there's uh, everything in the universe is subject to change. So change is the most permanent phenomenon in creation. And that's why the theologians, especially the Maturidi, go with the issue of change, otherwise known as hadath. And they use that as their first principle to help people understand that Allah doesn't change. And he changes things. So when things change, they cannot be God. Allah doesn't change, and that's why He's Allah. So, Sarrafna al Ayat, for the Bedouin Arab, who changes 
the movement directs the change in the stars, in the moon, in the sun, in the planet, in the seasons, in life. And the moods also, human beings change their moods. So who changes their moods? And their likes and dislikes and their abilities change. You don't have an ability when you're young, and then you have an ability, and then you lose that ability again. All of this, Sarraf al Ayat, will help somebody think that somebody else is in control. And, uh, you know, dwellings, they, civilizations, they come up and they change and they, they are gone. Okay. So this uh, phenomenon of change will help people come back to. Allah, so that they may come back. They may return to their creator and believe the creator is now creating the change. He's in charge of the change and human beings are not in charge of that. Tasrif is called. You guys do sarf? Huh? What is sarf? You change the stem verb and you make them into many verbs. This verb and that verb and this sira and that sira and this is a ismail is and amar It's all sarf. So the beauty of sarf is that with one root, you may create so many other verbs, so many other words. Some of the verbs, some of them are you know, not verbs. Some of them are technically nouns. So, so tasrif there is a huge word. This, as I said, one of the major themes of the Qur'an is to understand this tasrif, changing, how things change and who changes. Who is the one who effects, executes change? That is Allah. Once you know this, then you know that there's somebody else pulling the strings, somebody else dictating, somebody else in control. And that is the meaning of la'allahum yurjoh, so that they may come back to the one who is now in charge of their change. Yeah. If only those idols and things or people that they take as a means of closeness to Allah and as gods, if only they helped them, meaning the people of Had and others who were destroyed because of their shirk and their dhulm, if only those people whom they called upon or those idols that they worshipped, if only they came to help them and stop the punishment. In fact, they're very much away from them. They were lost away from them, far removed from them, mistakenly. And that is their fabrication. That is their iftirah, that is their, what the Quran calls if they're lying against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a fabricated lie, whatever it is that they are. Now conspiring against Allah, etc. So meaning that the false beliefs and premises led them to live a false life, which led them to their own ultimate destruction. 
So the falsehood, which is in their ideology, in their philosophy, in their not understanding the divine, causes them to live a life and a lifestyle which is also false. And that false lifestyle leads them to their destruction. That is the danger of lying and fabricating uh, in general. That is how we see now. Uh, these ayat played out for the Prophet is that in your aqidah you must be stable. You cannot be changing. So iman has to be stable and not changing. It has to be constant. It mustn't change. It mustn't fluctuate. And your goalposts mustn't change when you have iman. You can't change the goalpost of iman and aqidah because it doesn't agree with you. You don't agree with it. Okay. So that's another most stable form of knowledge is that which is conclusive and qatari. And that mustn't change over time. So aqidah is not contextual. Okay. So there's sarf in fiqh, but there's no sarf in aqidah. Aqidah has to be very, very stable, firm, firmly rooted. The foundation of this beautiful word is that it is firm, thabit, established, where it doesn't matter what comes upon it, it won't change. So here we see that the Prophet is being advised through this surah that there are two types of knowledge. One knowledge which is firm and stable, and the other knowledge that is subject to time and change. Yeah. So we may use the second one sometimes in order to facilitate life, but not to formulate a truthful reality and in a, what we call an aqidah, something that is now a theological prerequisite to understand who Allah is and how Allah works, etc. So this is now. Uh, the main goal of this uh, surah is to establish, as I mentioned before, an epistemology for the reader of the Quran. So you have various forms which you can learn and talk about here at Dar Qasim sometime, inshallah. Yeah. So here we see a change in the audience. So there's now the change, not in the Quran, but the change in the audience of the Quran where the Prophet is being sent as a messenger to another creation that lives here with us, and that is the jinn. The jinns have their communities and they live and reside. Uh, they are hidden from our eyes, but they do exist. So they do exist. And they have long lives, as you will see here. Yeah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when we turned you towards a group, a delegation of jinn, they came Quran to listen to the Quran from the Prophet so our Prophet is sent to all humankind and he's also sent as a messenger to all jinn kind. In fact, he's sent a message as a messenger to everything that exists. 
here we see that the jinn also has volition as human beings have volition that's why this story is important that they can also decide whether to follow the quran or not to follow the quran so that's why allah subhanahu is saying to these people of might and power and strength that there's another community which is stronger than you that community is hidden from your eyes they're much more stronger than human beings the jinn you know, they can do things that we can never even imagine and, and they travel vast distances very quickly and so on. So Allah is now juxtaposing the Ad with the Jinn. The story of Ad came before, now is the Jinn. The Ad, they have strength and volition. The Jinn, they have strength and volition. The comparison is in their acceptance or non-acceptance of the Divine Word. That is why we say, in other words, Sarfna. We say, Arsalna, not we send you. We turned you towards the jinn, meaning that your job is not done until you go and speak to the jinn also and deliver the message to them. We're not allowed to interfere with their world. We're supposed to stay away from that. Anyway, the Prophet was there, Abdullah ibn Masood, who was also there. Uh, this Immediately after Taif, uh, this happened. So very close to the time of Hijrah uh, from Makkah. They came, they listened to the Qur'an. When they approached him, and they were present in front of him, and the Prophet saw them and met them. Here means to appear. Meaning the Prophet saw them. They were visible to him. They said to each other, be quiet, don't talk. Because this person is the last Nabi and he is the last Rasul, we must listen to what he has to say instead of talking amongst ourselves and asking questions, etc. So when this delegation of the jinn came and the Prophet finished what he had to say and what he had to recite, they turned back towards their people or their community as warners. They went to warn their community that uh, there is this person who came. We went to him and he spoke to us and he recited the Quran to us. Uh, so even though they're immensely powerful and they have volition, they use their volition towards the khair, towards the good, so that they brought goodness to themselves and goodness to their community. The old people, uh, we have now visited somebody uh, and we have listened to a book. Um, the book obviously is the message it was in the form of a documented book. There was no physical book that the jinn saw. The book here refers to the message and the words of the Quran. And so in the oral tradition, not in the written tradition, it has been revealed after Musa, meaning these people were followers of Musa and of the Torah, these jinn, I should say. 
So that's what I said, that they live a very long life. Yeah, very, very long life. We don't know how long about it. Yeah. At least thousands of years. Wallah. But anyway, so they, they know that this book is very similar to the book of Musa, salam, and it confirms whatever is with it. Whatever is in front of the Torah, the Quran confirms. The Quran always comes as a musaddiq, something that affirms and confirms the truth wherever it is. That's another understanding of epistemology that we have. That if there is truth there, then you confirm it because it is the truth, not because you like it or something. Anyway, so that you have academic, intellectual integrity and honesty and uh, so on. It is a musaddiq, it confirms. Yeah. So the Quran's description in the Quran, it is a musaddiq. That it always comes to confirm the revelation of previous prophets, it confirms the prophethood of previous prophets, it confirms the sharia of previous communities. It confirms, it does not deny. Yeah. So there's no bias there. There's no bias in terms of accepting the truth. The truth that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And since it is a musaddiq, it guides towards the truth, the haqq, the real. So it is a musaddiq, it confirms. And number two, it is a guide. It shows you a path towards the truth. And it's also the straight path. It guides towards a straight path of conduct and behavior and lifestyle that will lead you to your happiness in this world and also in the world hereafter. So the jinn listened, they listened attentively and they accepted. And after they accepted, they went back to their community and spread the word. They spread the message. They became almost like deputies of the Prophet to their community and they did the work that the Prophet wanted them to do. This is now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honoring and favoring the Prophet after the people of Ta'if dismissed him, disowned him, and basically persecuted him. So as a fruit of his sabr, Allah says, I'll give you another community that will believe you. And that community is now other than the human community as a proof for his prophethood because having a proof for something that you believe in goes a long way towards moral support and encouragement and determination uh, etc so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed him the fruits of his sabr after taif in this way that uh, we'll introduce you to a group of uh, or community who will accept and appreciate what you say and what you deliver, etc., so that you're not totally uh, mortified by the idea of rejection. So rejection is not something that human beings take very easily. As a human being, the Prophet felt that rejection. It's normal to feel that way. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a sign of humanness. But as a favor and as a reward for that, sabr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him this opportunity to deliver the message to other than human beings, uh, to complete his mission 
and to complete his message. That his message is for all types of communities and all things that exist. So here the seerah will help you understand the sequence of ayat here. That's why you need to know the seerah when you're reading the Quran also. Then you can place it in a place where you can see it makes perfect seerah sense that these ayat will be revealed here just before Medina. يَا قَوْمَنَا أَجِيبُوا دَعَيَ اللَّهِ وَآمِنُوا بِهِ يَخْفِرْ لَكُمْ مِنْ ذُنُوبِكُمْ وَيُجِرْكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمًا They are saying the same message as the Prophet ﷺ. Oh, our people, accept and respond to the call of Allah and believe in Him. If you do that, your Lord, يَخْفِرْ لَكُمْ مِنْ ذُنُوبِكُمْ Your Lord will forgive your sins and uh, He will then deliver you. Um, from a very doom, a very painful punishment on the Day of Judgment. So now they're being warners, they're warning them. If they don't believe, they will be punished. Uh, so that is the direct message of all prophets, and they recognize us, and they told their community to do the same thing. So there's a proof that the jinn also deliver the message of Muhammad to themselves and wherever the jinns exist. They're jinns that live on earth, they're jinns that float around uh, in the solar system, and there are other types of jinn that we don't even know about. Whoever does not respond to the call of Allah, then there's no one who's going to overwhelm him on earth against Allah, against Allah's punishment, and he'll have no one besides Allah as a guardian, as a patron, as a well-wisher. Now, this is now, if those if people do this, then they'll be in manifest error. You have to remember that the, the, the jinn, they possess tremendous powers and abilities, and they, they have a very long life, as I said. So they, they are very easily prone to feeling they're invincible. Okay. Yeah, so the sense of invis invincibility is uh, what the leaders of the community is addressing, that you're not invincible. Allah still created you, still Allah's creation. Although you have immense power and abilities and you have a very long life, almost durable life, uh, Allah is still there and he still may punish you if he decides to if you disobey him, that was the message to add also that they thought they were invincible. Okay. So this is now the measure of, you know, checks and balances Allah imposes on those who are invincible uh, always comes into play. And so on, as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us, protect us, preserve us in this country, in this part of the world where we don't want disasters, natural disasters, because invariably they will affect us. Okay, these tornadoes and hurricanes and God forbid earthquakes and droughts. They affect Muslims and they affect non-Muslims. You don't want to make dua for that. But Allah sends these signs occasionally, every year, so that they realize they're not invincible. Again, Tasrif al-Ayat, alternating the signs. Allah's changing the signs. You're a great superpower, and you think you're invincible, but I'll try this, and try this, and try this, and then 
Uh, they go into a vicious cycle of insurance, which doesn't help too many people anyway. And they get back on their two feet and they build in the same place and they live in the same place and then another one strikes and the cycle continues. They don't realize that someone else is pulling the strings here. It's the sreef, yeah, changing of the ayat, the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so now you see that one is a message to the Ad. They thought they were invincible. And this group of jinns are telling uh, their community, you're not invincible. And then you fast forward to this time and you say to people here nowadays, you're not invincible. A lot can change. There was a time when it was inconceivable that Illinois would have tornadoes. Now it's a reality, unfortunately. So what's the solution? The solution is dua, dhikr, tawbah, istighfar, sadaqah, helping people, etc. That's the solution. Solution is not to monitor the weather stations, wait for the tornado siren to go off. It's too late. Take care of it before it happens. Yes, and these ayat are penetrating. They're piercing. They're real. And they should intimidate you. That's the reason of indar. Indar means that you intimidate people. And you warn them that all of these signs are possible because Allah is bringing them. So that is now the way forward uh, for Muslims living in this country. We don't want any destruction per se on anybody, but we want to change things and drive away, repel these signs from coming. As the Prophet used to say, when there was a strong wind blowing, Allah min yasaluka min khayri hadhi rih wa khayri ma fiha wa khayri ma umirat biha wa a'udhu bika min sharri ma fiha di rih ma fiha wa min sharri ma umirat biha You make dua. That dua repels Allah's ayah and changes that ayah to another ayah. I seek refuge in you from the evil of this wind and the evil that it has been instructed to deliver and the evil of whatever is in it. You have to make that dua. When the wind, wind is blowing, you don't become complacent. Oh, it's no big deal. We have insurance. You don't have insurance against death. Right? Your insurance is dua and dhikr and sadaqah and helping people, being kind to each other, mending your relations, etc. That's the key to repelling these types of ayat signs. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, These people, if they don't uh, take heed and they don't, don't believe in the message, then manifest error because they go around in vicious circles like the Banu Israel, they roamed around the same place for 40 years. They would start off in the morning, travel, and by the evening they would be in the same place they started off. That's the nature of life nowadays with human beings across the globe. You want climate control. Well, thank you very much. After you've destroyed the whole climate, you want everybody else now to do climate control. That's very generous. Going in circles, vicious circles. You start off, you travel, and you come back to the place where you were 
in the morning. So this is a very clear message. Allah subhanahu is giving to the invincibles. Exactly what I'm saying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now making a reference to his might and to his power. Yeah, the people of Ad and Thamud were mighty and powerful. The jinn community is mighty and powerful. But have you not seen that indeed Allah, who has created the heavens and the earth, he does not get tired of creating them. Allah doesn't get tired of creating the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, the galaxies, whatever there is out there, whatever is there. On earth and in the earth, uh, Allah does not get tired of creating that. He is, his amar is just kun fayakun. Okay. It doesn't take him any energy whatsoever to create, and he's that powerful. Biqadirin, is he not now powerful enough to recreate the dead, to revive the dead? But uh, of course he is. Indeed, he is powerful over everything. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's might and power is the reason why you exist and so on. So if your existence is pinned against his now ability to create you, then you must believe that he has the ability to recreate you after he gives you death. And this is the warning that you must believe in resurrection on the day of judgment, etc which is a very powerful tool. These aqaid are filled with power and nur. We have this because they're thawabit, they're thawabit, they're secure, they're firmly rooted and grounded that no one can overcome them. No strength, no power can force anybody to say anything against la ilaha illallah. That is power. That there's no power on the earth which will force a Muslim to say, Allah does not exist. It's not possible. There might be a concession in Sharia according to the Quran, but most Muslims won't take that concession. They'll just remain Muslim. Have you seen the Palestinians? Have you seen the Uyghurs and the Uyghurs and the Chinese? And have you seen the people of Kashmir? That's this now, this day. You're talking about the 21st century. Muslim, that they, they hang on firmly to their iman, to their roots. They don't let go because of a context, because of the whirling winds and tornadoes around them in their lives. They're not uprooted by hurricanes. Their faith is firm. That is the power that the aqidah gives you. Immense power, which is human power. Yeah, so that's also an ayah. Yeah, that's an ayah that Allah Subh'ana creates in human beings. The eye of Iman and the eye of Aqidah and everything else that comes along with it. So because of the Muslim's conviction that there is a day of judgment, then he will work towards the day of judgment somewhere, somehow, at some time. Yeah, it will always come out. If the roots are there, then the roots will sprout out from the ground at some time, even though it might be just a small branch or even a small fruit, something will come. Yeah. This how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inviting people to believe in the ultimate truth and the straight path. 
أليس هذا من حق قالوا بلا ربنا قال فذوق العذاب بما كنتم تكفرون and then on the day of judgment when everything is manifest and everything is revealed and exposed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now say that the kafir those who disbelieve will be presented upon the fire the fire will become real and they will see the fire they will feel the heat of the fire and God forbid they will be in the fire so then the question will be, is this not now the truth? Is this truth enough for you? They will have to submit and say, yes, it is. By our Lord. Then the announcement will be made. Then you must now taste the punishment which you used to deny. وَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلَّهُمْ Here Allah is exhorting the Prophet to remain firm, steadfast, and continue to be patient. So be patient in the way the people of resolve were patient. Those who were the messengers, they had resolve and they were patient. And they kept on going as they knew that Allah will ultimately give them victory and success and reward them for their efforts and for their patience so now Allah subhanahu wa is saying that they were this way and you must also become this way so you must be with resolve and you must be with patience continue doing what are what it is you're doing because that is what's going to create your success if there's no patience in your uh, in your desire to do things, then you won't get it done. Yeah. So patience is what drives you to the finishing line. Mm. Yeah. Patience is another strength. Patience is not something that is uh, associated with weakness. Patience is associated with tremendous strength, as the words say, sabara, in the Arabic language. Yeah, if you do this uh, semantics and the etymology on all of that, you will see that the word sabr itself in its construction is full of strength. Anyway, so the sabr there is a strength that allows you to finish the job. Yeah, it gives you resolve, determination, himma, uh, and it gives you longevity. And everything else, uh, the Prophet is now Allah is raising him, developing him to now develop all of these inner qualities uh, that uh, will make him uh, the best human being. And don't be judgmental and don't be hasty with these people who now deny you, reject you, abuse you, persecute you, and drive you away from your homeland. Don't be hasty. That you don't need to call a last punishment on these people just yet. Uh, wait a while. Mm. It will be as if that when this time does come, when you are successful, and the time when they see whatever they have been promised come upon them, it will be. It was just a few moments of the day that have gone by mean time there at the end when you've reached the finishing line whatever you endured before that becomes very relative and sometimes negligible 
Yes, after a hard day's work and you're there, you have food on the table, then you forget the hard day's work because you're more interested in eating the food rather than whining about the effort you did to get there. You don't sit at a table and then whine about the effort you did to bring the food to the table. Yes, it becomes relatives. Allah subhanahu is using this phenomenon, this very realistic sensation that human beings feel when they succeed eventually. Yeah, that, oh, okay. Now this all makes sense. It was all worth it, alhamdulillah. And you are made to forget all the troubles you went through. That is Allah's fuddle on human beings. That this nisyan, sometimes, this forgetting is an ilma. Uh, if a woman remembers the labor pains, she'd never conceive again. You won't have any human beings on the planet. So Allah makes them forget. So forgetting sometimes is a nirma. Likewise, when you forget the pain you went through in an operation and you kind of live through it and live after it, then you forget all that. If you remembered all that pain, uh, you, you probably won't want to live anymore. Uh, so if where there's pain, there's nisyan, forgetfulness. And that is a nirma from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Yeah. So not everything that is, seems to be a deficiency is a deficiency in the bigger picture. At the micro level, yes, you're not supposed to forget uh, because that is not a good sign that you don't have a good memory and so on. If you don't have a good memory, then your hadith is not accepted. So there, nisyan is not good. Yeah, that's a deficiency. That's naqs. Yeah. But sometimes uh, this nisyan business is a huge nirma, especially here for the prophets that they, alhamdulillah, will endure. And when they come to the finishing line, the rahmah that comes with it now will cause you to at least momentarily forget the pain and the trouble and the struggle you went through to get there. Balaw, Balaw, this is the message. This has been now delivered. Uh, to all of humanity. Then is it that anyone besides the sinners will be destroyed? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not unjust. He will not destroy people if they are good and he will not destroy people if they have the time to repent and make amends for their mistakes. He will only destroy people who are innate sinners. Fasiqun here is uh, you know which will be kufr shirk and innate evil disposition where no khair can come from people then those people are destroyed invariably because they, they don't belong to the the community of good human beings that's in the taqwini sense in the cosmological order there's always checks and balances. So this is uh, Allah's divine check and balance for people to be good and learn. And as I said, accept the warning signs that Allah presents to people every day. Every day there are warning signs. So Allah is there. Allah is in control. Allah is there. Allah is in control. So the sariful ayat, changing the ayat within themselves in the horizons to let people know they're not in charge. You know, sometimes your body goes this way and that way. Sometimes your moods go this way. Sometimes your likes and dislikes change and nature changes, everything changes. So who's now creating this change? 
thus a warning. Uh, it's a warning of the highest order that if people take heed, uh, they see that these words inspire human beings to be better and to think better and to perform better. So now the Quran is all about khair and doing khair. So the Quran does not intimidate people so that they become more evil. The Quran intimidates people so that they become good. So the objective is very clear. And so the means of creating good are several. One is motivation, inspiration, but the other is also intimidation. That fear is usually a, a good motivation. As I've said many times before, you fear you lose your job, so you go to job, to your job. Uh, you feel lost, so you make the effort to study, pass the exam. You fear that you won't have any food on the table, so you make money, go to a grocery store, and you cook the food and you eat it, basically. So that's fear driving you. There's also pleasure that drives you, that if you're greedy and you want to enjoy life and there are temptations that you want to now succumb to, then that's also motivational. That also helps sometimes. Not all the time, but uh, fear is a necessary component in speech. Intimidation is part of speech. And Allah's speech, Allah's kalam, has all the necessary components of speech that human beings can relate to. Okay. So the, the, as I mentioned last week, the purpose of Allah's speech is to make sure humans understand the objective and purpose of his speech, his kalam. So you have all of these now elements of speech uh, intertwined uh, within the message and that is what mesmerized the Bedouin Arab and the Shu'ara and the poets and the Quraysh who were supposed to be the best and the most eloquent of all people that they simply could not understand how someone can phrase all of these majestic realities in such simple words that's the Mojiza the biggest mojiza is understanding the word, then the message, then obviously executing the message. That is now secondary, although necessary, but it's still secondary in the taxonomy. The first, balagh, uh, Allah's balagh, balagh and balagh, they must be piercing and penetrating and influence and moving, changing people and so on. So when the Bedouin Arab is listening to these words, he's changed, he's moved, he's motivated, he's inspired. And so on. We have to go through another sequence to understand the beauty and the ajaz, the miracle of the Quran. And that's what we do here at Dawah Qasim, alhamdulillah. But anyway, this is a surah. It's all about understanding the al ayat, understanding certain forms of epistemology what kind of knowledge you may gain and you do gain. And uh, there's knowledge that is uh, definitely conclusive and khati, and there's knowledge that is inconclusive, but you can still use it. And there's knowledge that is simply speculative and there's falsehood. So there's no knowledge in falsehood. There's knowledge of falsehood. And you must now understand the difference between knowing kufr and accepting kufr. A huge difference between the two, inshallah. We make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to understand the surah, to recite the surah, to understand the nuances and the beauty of the surah, 
May Allah subhanahu wa allow us to practice the surah, implement it, and to benefit it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the surah the means of shafa'a for us on the day of judgment. Ameen ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in wa bi rahmatikin rahmatikin. Alhamdulillah.